Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. I'm Tara Kopis. I work for JLL. I'm a sustainability manager in the West region. And uh, at JLL, we take a responsible and sustainable approach in all that we do while working to shape the future of real estate. We are pleased to sponsor the uh, Sustainability Learning Theater here that you're in right now. And I have the pleasure to introduce our next speaker, Mahesh Ramunajam, president and CEO of the Global Network for Zero, who will be speaking with us today on getting your buildings to net zero perspectives from a manufacturing company. So Mahesh, over to you and thank you everyone for coming. Thank you, Tara. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. It's a cozy audience, so I'll try to keep it very informal. Feel free to interrupt me if you think uh, I'm boring. <laughs> so uh, my name is Mahesh Ramanujam, as uh, Tara pointed out. I had the pleasure of serving uh, the US Green Building Council, but before I get to that, let me do a little bit of housekeeping on behalf of uh, Cornet. Um, very quickly, uh, I hope you got on the Source app. Please download it if you have not done it already. Browse it, connect with people. Uh, obviously, this is the way you get it. Um, you are in the Innovation Pavilion, so walk around, f get the feel of it if you have not already done it, and uh, promote the word. And uh, make sure that after this session, you give feedback, and do that for every session. Um, so now, let me jump in. So uh, I had the pleasure of uh, serving as the president and CEO of U.S. Green Building Council uh, for over 14 years uh, in uh, various executive capacities. And lastly, I resigned as uh, uh, the CEO of uh, U.S. Green Building Council. I had a fantastic run. We were able to realize uh, during my tenure close to 110,000 projects around the world of all sizes, uh, championing for LEED, the Green Building Rating System. 182 countries and territories where LEED is present today and still making a lot of progress. And most importantly, we also expanded LEED to become a building, not only a building-related rating system, but also to communities and cities. And there are some good examples all around the world, including the United States. About 273 cities have actually uh, adopted LEED and are championing for LEED. Now, why am I telling you this story is because this has been a fascinating journey for me personally. It has uh, allowed me to develop my personal passion for decarbonization and most importantly, demonstrate to the marketplace how implementation could be done uh, for such a, a large challenge of basically decarbonizing the building sector. Now, like you, uh, the biggest challenge that I always face is what's next. What should we do next in terms of the decarbonization efforts and what can we do better and where do we need to focus on next? So when you think about it, considering all the progress that the green building community has done, still more work has to be done on the existing building sector. Because repeatedly I've seen that is where the opportunity lies, but also the maximum number of challenges also is faced by this existing building sector. So there is no way we are going to get to net zero without actually transforming the existing building sector. So this has been my broad theme while even I was at USGPC. I spent a lot of time trying to think about existing buildings and why the adoption of existing buildings was not the same as what we have achieved in the new building sector. The there are many reasons. We'll get into that in a few minutes. But that allowed me to jumpstart my startup along with my partner, Sarah Merricks, and all other partners to really think about how do we really get laser-focused on really helping existing buildings 
to transform so that we can eventually deliver on the promise of building sector reducing their emissions, which is 40%, as you know very well. And we can do a lot better because uh, buildings are a critical component of any businesses. Now, having said that, uh, let me bring you back to existing buildings. Why is this so important? In a post-COVID world, in 2021, you saw the emissions from the building sector go up. That is basically 21%. I didn't put the stats there, but it has been at the all-time high. And to me, that that's not an indicator going in the right direction. We had to, to do something about it. Now, what we did is that, again, GNFC was founded to address some of the barriers in really addressing the existing building sector, particularly at a portfolio level. I would love to do it building by building, but I don't think we have the time for it. So we have to push as much as we can to actually make the progress we could actually do. And it's not that difficult if you really focus. Now, we developed a platform. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to skip talking about my platform, but very quickly, we developed a platform. One, it is decentralized. What I mean by that is that you can actually take actions from where you are and we will help you collate it, correct it, and align it with the end goal, which is zero. Second, it is peer-to-peer -peer network, so that means that most of the sharing is happening peer-to-peer, -peer, unlike many of the other systems where you have to go to a central repository, put information, get feedback. So we're trying to create an ecosystem that is very, very important, particularly when you want to disrupt the existing building sector. Third is we are standard agnostic. We are not trying to prescribe a standard, although we are starting with the GAG protocol, but Anybody can use any standard as long as they're able to measure, manage, and actually demonstrate that they're heading to zero. And last but not the least, we want to provide the trust and verification that is needed in all these projects because uh, we all know that what gets measured gets done, what gets done gets improved, what gets improved gets replicated, what gets replicated gets accelerated. That's our, that's our focus. So uh, what we did is that as a first step in the process, we introduced the net zero certification for existing buildings. The flow is very simple. We are requiring every building to start with a roadmap. I have asked many, 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 many leaders around the world for their roadmap for net zero. And many of them will give not that straightforward answer. Many of them have many things in works, but a very clear laser focus straight line into what is the plan for that building to get to zero is often not well represented. So we try to put that as a priority. Then obviously for the existing building sector, I mentioned this earlier, that we cannot take the same approach that we have taken for the new building sector, which is a holistic approach, holistic design. Systems like LEED have done a very good job of really pushing the people to optimize the system by downsizing the resource requirements. However, here with existing buildings, you have to meet them where they are. So you have to think about incremental improvements. I would rather prefer incremental daily improvements that are done as million steps over a period of time than one million step taken by one particular building, which means we are not going to close the gap. So this is one of the very important shifts we have made in our platform, incremental uh, uh, execution. And then obviously the whole idea is to calculate scope one, two, three as prescribed by the GAG protocol. But as I said before, you are welcome to use other methodologies as long as you are calculating scope one, two, and three. And then uh, reduce documentation. I, I spent a lot of time uh, as a head of lead and head of lead certification verifying and validating people's work. And 
I always have recommended a trust-based approach because the trust-based system is what will actually help us to truly scale. You can send paperwork to some Washington or California to just have that stamped by a group of people. That's not how scaling works. So we have to really trust the market. And to trust the market, we have to actually lead with data. We have to provide them verifiability and most importantly, put their personal reputation on the line so that they can actually come through on their transparency requirements. So we're trying to adopt that in our platform. And then last but not the least, storytelling is important. I've always said building a bad building is a sin, but not talking about a good building is a cardinal sin. So you have to tell the story of a building. It's very, very important because when you start telling the story of the building, you will start telling the story of the people inside it, which means that automatically adoption happens. Now, what are the barriers we are trying to address? First, lack of urgency. If you really think about it from the big picture, the biggest challenge is that still people don't connect existing building transformation is required to meet the Paris Climate Agreement. This came through our research loud and clear that we did in 2022. Then the second one is effective roadmaps that I touched on it earlier. The third one is financing and cost. So who's going to pay for it? Which one should be prioritized? And what is the order in which it goes? And how do you make sure that you generate real value back to the business? It's a challenge and this cannot be ignored. And prioritization, as I mentioned earlier, should I go for HVAC or indoor air quality? I should go for tenant experience or I should go back and put on that solar uh, panel on my roof? Or do I need to do a PPA or I need to do a carbon offsets? These are difficult decisions to be made on a daily basis. So we, we think that our platform is trying to address all of this. And then accurate ROI data. This is the single largest barrier that I've heard from people over and over and over again, that we still cannot tell the story in terms of the simple math, A plus B is equal to C. We cannot get that math, and until we do that, we cannot get to acceleration. This is a hard job. We can all do it. The good news is the data exists. The bad news is it exists in silos, and it exists in non-standardized format. That is something that I keep advocating for. Let's not keep reinventing the wheel. Let's share, and let's make it standardized, and let's actually tell a story around it. And democratize leadership. This is a little bit different because, you know, after spending 15 years with lead, I realized lead is designed for the top 10% of the market. But remaining 90% of the market cannot even get into the lead game. I don't know how many of you know the term called ABC. I've heard that term, term over and over again. It's called all but certify. Right? And why did that happen? Because people felt like I could not get there, so I will still do whatever I can, and I'll stay out of it. But then my point is, where is the accounting for all the good work that has gone into it? How do we know that we have arrived? So we always talk about what needs to get done. I find it very difficult when people don't explain to me what they have already done. And we cannot clearly articulate to the market that, look, out of the 100% goal, we already reached 30%. I'm still looking for that answer. If you have it, please share it with me. I'll be proudly promoting it. But I can't get that answer. That's unacceptable, because we have to recognize the good work that has been done. That means we have to let everybody come in. And then also it is about equity and inclusion, because all the buildings that are sitting at the bottom of the pyramid are housing the people who are vulnerable in our society. So there is a, there is, if you really want to address equity in real estate, start focusing on existing buildings and bring them up a little bit, a little bit every day. So that's my ask and call for uh, action from your side. Now, our phases are very simple, initiate, implement, sustain. You can enter in any phase, but the idea here is ultimately you have to sustain. So you get to net zero and then you sustain, but it's going to take a long time for you to get there. So do your best to get there. Now, we are 
as I said before, incremental. So incremental means incremental investment, incremental cost management, incremental strategies, but also incremental recognition. And what we have seen with LEAD over and over again was recognition matters, celebration matters. That allows you to unify your internal team members to go to the next level, and it becomes a stepping stone. So that is why we have introduced a variety of uh, certificates to understand the different milestones, starting from assessment to planning to carbon offsets. For that matter, even carbon milestones that you have achieved. So that recognizing that this is going to be a multi-year journey, if not a decade-long journey, and you're going to do your best to continue to demonstrate progress to the market externally. Because it's very easy, and a certification is nothing but a communication tool. So if you just show a certificate, most of that time people, people trust you, people believe that you're on the right track, and, and you can actually explain the details later. So with that, let me introduce you to the case study uh, of SRK. SRK stands for uh, Sri Ramakrishna Exports. That's a mouthful for you, so remember SRK. SRK is uh, a world-leading diamond manufacturing company, diamond crafting company. Uh, it's, I would say they would, they would be in the top three. They are based out of India because, as you know, India is one of the largest exporters of diamond around the world. And uh, this facility, these two facilities that I'm going to be talking about, is situated in a place called Surat. It's a tier three city. It's not in a tier one or a tier two city. And uh, it's a, basically, it's a diamond town. It employs more than a million people um, who are working in some form or fashion in the diamond industry, all the way from uh, selling diamonds to crafting and polishing diamonds, depending upon which way you look. So it's a pretty uh, impressive uh, uh, ecosystem of uh, diamond uh, suppliers and manufacturers and salespeople around there. So here, when SRK was established 60 years ago, uh, their mantra was to very simple, to really set the tone for the rest of the world. The visionary behind that mission is uh, Sri Govind Dalokia, so we call him Kaka. Kaka is a very friendly way of respecting uh, our friends. So it's simply is called uncle. So Kaka is basically, uh, as you can see, his, by his profound statement. I was very inspired by his statement, which he put about 20 years ago. And I, I just love this statement. Just to give an introduction about this gentleman, he left his village when he was 13. He's not that educated. He left barefoot, and he's now running a $2 billion facility. And the most important part is that this man is tremendously generous, and he shares everything that he has earned because he truly believes what he has gained should be passed forward and should be made given back to the society. So this is something that I've been very personally inspired by for more than a decade, and uh, I am proud to tell his story and try to tell the story of his work. And he's very generous, and he has done good work. Every time I asked him to dial up his call for action, he has said, let's do more, and, and he has given back to the society. So this is a great story from that perspective as well. Now. This is the quick ESG snapshot. You know, 4.5% of last 17 years, 4.5% of profits, net profits are shared with the community. That's actually invested back into the community. That's a lot of money. Second is 3.5 million people have benefited from their healthcare initiatives. About 1,000 rooftop solar panels have been distributed. Again, another 350 homes. His entire village that he came from has been solarized, is completely running on solar. And then, to support the veterans, you know, recently India celebrated 75th anniversary of its independence. So we did 750 solar panels to all the uh, veterans. And then uh, 60,000 students have received awards. So basically, through his foundation, he's focusing on education, poverty, environment, and most importantly, uh, really giving back to the community and helping the vulnerable people come up through the 
the, the struggle curve. Now, SRK Empire, this is the number one facility, is their number one diamond crafting facility. This building was built in 2011, at the time to the best standards that was available at that time. And most importantly, it was not built to any standards. You know, it was not built to any kind of uh, regulations or best practices. It was just a building that showed up. And uh, it houses close to about a billion dollar worth of diamonds inside. So it has got safe walls and all kinds of things. So if you walk into it, you'll be fascinated that you will be seeing diamonds on, on the tables of so many people. So uh, if you had seen a couple of diamonds in Tiffany, just imagine this is the steroid version of Tiffany. That's what you would be seeing inside. It's such a powerful facility, but it was not built to be a sustainable building at that time. So when we started the journey, at the same time, the 21st century challenges of a diamond industry is the following. One, they take a lot of soil out, so they impact environment. And they pump a lot of water out, and these waters are treated, so it has got a lot of chemicals in them. Third, obviously the pandemic reduced the consumer spending. There was a lot of uh, headwinds, so you had to optimize between employability and environmental sustainability. That's a big trade-off to match. And then, uh, obviously, the production and transportation of diamonds obviously uses fossil fuels like any other industry. And then last but not the least, consumers are demanding. Because these customers are used to demanding certification. They want their diamonds to be not blood diamonds, as they call it. So these challenges also were experienced by the industry at the time. So it allowed a dialogue between me and uh, Mr. Kaka here, and what we came to was that he should lead the industry with some specific examples, particularly using his facility as a facility to actually transform the society and as well as the industry, particularly the very hard, hard to abate industry. So SRK Empire went through lead goal certification for operations and maintenance at the time. We did all the things that's possible. We got it certified to gold. I'm going to flip through these slides quickly in the interest of time. Uh, then we went for, again, platinum recertification in 2018, went for another level of improvement. So if the first phase was all about optimization, the second phase was about upgrades, actually really making sure best practices were implemented. And then uh, USGBC announced the ARC platform that was to basically try to take the design construction framework of lead into the operational phase and actually measure the active operational performance of a building and use that to certify that building. In other words, we wanted to monitor energy, water, waste, transportation, and human experience. These data and take them and create a score and benchmark it with the global projects and through that score, basically certify those buildings. So that was the idea that USGBC launched at that time and SRK being a, a data-driven company and for them, in a diamond business, transparency is everything. And because of that, they jumped right onto it. And you can see that that score is the score of that building. On 100, it's scoring 95. If you pay attention to this curve, you'll see. They're hitting close, very close on these three metrics. And for energy and water, more work to do. The hard work has to begin there. But it's 95 points. It's one of the top three buildings in the world. So this building is not in New York. This building is not in San Francisco. This building is not in London. This building is in a third-tier city in uh, India. So that's how we wanted to demonstrate that it's possible and you can do this. Now, obviously, there was another building that came up that had the benefit of implementing all these lessons learned. This is the second building that was brought to SRK House. 
it went straight to platinum in 2020 amidst pandemic. That was one of the good milestones we have done. And you can see that 187 electric meters installed. So it is all about data tracking everywhere. It's a little bit, I always joke with them, it's, you've gone too far because I meet customers who don't want to implement no smart metering to all smart metering. So it's kind of a little bit of a swing, but I do like that. And uh, then here it says platinum recertification process. This morning I checked. This SRK house through our platform got certified to 96 points, becoming one of the top three buildings in the world. And these two buildings have consistently ranked as top three buildings for more than two years now. So that to me is a very uh, proud uh, thing because uh, it's about a continuous improvement story. So from 2011 construction to 2021 approximately, you are 2023, being able to really go back and into the asset and improve it over and over and over again by using industry standard best practices is a story we want to tell to the rest of the world. Now, sorry, it's a little bit... Uh, then obviously COVID came, like all of us. The best part of COVID response for SRK was they were able to leverage all their investments. Everything they've done in that building allowed them the opportunity to create re-entry back faster, but obviously they made some adjustments. Then we also went for ISO 50001 benchmarking to become the first project in India to go for this energy benchmarking standard. That's pretty high bar. And now we are at zero. And the reason we went to zero is, again, I knocked on Mr. Kaka's door and said, look, India's got a target of 2070. And as an Indian, I don't like that, personally. Uh, we all are shooting for 2050, but formally a government committing to 2070 for all the right reasons. I'm not here to debate that. But I said industry must actually take the lead and show it differently. So he said, what do I need to do? I said, I want you to go to 20." I want you to go to net zero in 2024. He said, but our target is 2030. I said, I want you to accelerate it so that we can show to the rest of the world it could be done. And it was done. It was agreed. So now, what we did is that, because this is very simple, there's only one number matters for survival, success, and sustainability in perpetuity. That is zero. So what we did is we used our methodology, which is GAG protocol, tried to calculate the scope one, two, three emissions, pretty straightforward. This is the emission. Then we put a plan to mitigate it, so reducing scope on emissions, you will see that the significant amount of scope on emissions is coming from the kitchen. There are 6,500 people working in that factory, and they are fed every day a free meal, the most luxurious meal you can have. And that is why their energy consumption on scope on is very high, because they use natural gas for that. So to mitigate that, we are completely rebuilding the menu reorganizing the kitchen, and really trying to build the right uh, certifications around the food quality and whatnot. So scope one emissions is going to be reduced through this strategy. Scope two is we have installed a six megawatt uh, solar plant, offsite solar plant to mitigate all the emissions. Uh, and then reducing scope three is hard, but for this building it should not be that difficult. When you go down the supply chain, it'll be maybe much more harder. But for building, many methods are being done, including significant amount of plantations over a period of, over an area of about 200 acres. Uh, we have acquired land for almost 200 acres of land to plant trees, different types of plants. And then we are building another additional 30 uh, green sites to mitigate all the carbon uh, offset requirements that we need. Particularly with scope three, we need some level of offsets that needs to be incorporated. Now, we are pushing the envelope. We didn't want to stop with the net zero carbon, so the next mandate is net zero water. So that's in progress. Uh, we are also pushing for net zero waste. So 
and net zero energy is a, a natural byproduct because of all the work we will be doing. So I don't want to talk much about energy, but carbon is, carbon is the goal. So why I'm sharing this story is because uh, this is pretty exciting for me. This is doable. And most importantly, uh, this cannot be trivialized. There is no magic switch that will get us to zero. But if every building could aspire to do at least 10% of it, we are already well under the way to go where we need to go. So that's the main message I want to deliver today through this case study. And it's a 10-year-old case study. Not everybody needs to be at 95 points, but if everybody could move the needle from 10 to 11, 11 to 12 every single day, I think we can absolutely deliver on the promise for the 40% emission reduction from the building sector. Now with that, a little bit of plug for our work. We are not going to stop with buildings. Even at the USGBC, I was pushing from buildings to communities to cities. So we are going to expand it to processes, businesses, products, and most importantly, everything under the sky and the sun. Because decarbonation cannot happen in silos. It has to happen in an interdisciplinary manner. And we can deliver that. The methodology is the same. And the building sector has a lot to contribute on that front. So with that, I just want to thank Tara again for uh, allowing me this opportunity to present to you the most important excited story about SRK. And uh, I'm inviting you for the conversation to share your knowledge. And most importantly, let's get this net zero thing done. Thank you. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.